Hi, I'm Ravi. And I'm Shell. And you're listening to Two Lost Souls. The podcast that guides you through the journey to becoming a CBT therapist. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you are listening. Welcome to the Two Lost Souls podcast. Uh, The title of today's episode is What's Going On With The IAPT Brand Refresh? I am your host, Ravi Amrith, and in today's show, we will be discussing the upcoming brand refresh and what it could mean for both you trainees out there and also in general for NHS mental health services going forward. Uh, But let me begin. Uh, before we get started on that by saying that this is your podcast guide to surviving a high intensity CBT course. We pride ourselves on creating a safe space for trainees, qualified therapists and those who are generally curious. Honesty is our policy and we tell it how we see it, but we'd love to hear your views too. As usual, I'm joined in the therapy room today by the superb Michelle Sudbury. How's it going, Michelle? Hello, Ravi. Not too bad. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. How's your week going? Oh, difficult question this week. Not one of my best weeks, if I'm being honest. Quite challenging times at work at the moment. But yeah, thanks for asking. (laughs) Well, I think it's an important bit of information in itself, that, right? In terms of, particularly as therapists, sometimes people think that it's all going swimmingly but actually a lot of the time there is a bit of an uphill battle when it comes to the work that we do and sometimes it can feel a bit trying how are you sort of coping with that what are you doing to sort of get through a tough week like this oh good question I am bothering lots of people by asking them for their time and advice and opinion um and yeah I'm really lucky I've got a great kind of support network around me loads of people who are willing to just drop everything for five minutes and give me um, their ear so uh, yeah very very lucky it's one of the loveliest things about working in a in a team like the team that I work in so um, so it does come with challenges but also lots of lovely stuff too got you and as someone who has the pleasure of working with you I can definitely say that that's quite a balanced sort of relationship as well the amount of times that you've obviously been there as a support of call when other people have needed support as well as has been really useful and really helpful yeah. so just knowing that it's a bit of a bit of a circular thing and and something where people are willing to help each other out it sounds like a, a really nice thing so I'm glad yeah, that's something you can make use of. thank yeah. you Thanks. that's okay um before we move on with the rest of the episode today let me just remind all of you out there that if you have any particular questions or topics that you would like to see covered in two lost souls going forward reach out to us on twitter at tls underscore pod or at our email address which is two lost souls podcast at gmail.com So 
So as I mentioned um, earlier on in the intro to today's episode, we will be talking about the iApt brand refresh. Um, Now, I will kind of get this in as a bit of a disclaimer. There will be several points throughout this podcast where a marketing intern somewhere will probably put their head in their hands uh, because of my phraseology around this stuff. So just to make you aware that when we say rebrand, we mean brand refresh as it has been correctly titled on the the sort of publications that have have come out when they've been put out by the NHS. Shell, both of us were um, fortunate enough to attend a webinar um, the other week in terms of what this rebrand will look like and and the sort of background to it. So what's, what's going on with this? What is this all about? I think ultimately, um, I'll, I'll be honest, it was a bit of a surprise. I hadn't heard a lot about it, which which really surprised me um, until just a couple of weeks before the, the webinar went live. Um, mm. I think there has always fundamentally been a bit of an issue around people actually understanding what IAPT is, um, what it stands for, what it does. And that's from the general public to people who work within primary care and secondary care. Mm. Um, you know, I've spoken to doctors in surgeries before who who don't know what IAPT is. And that's after it had been going for, you know, um, 10, 11 years. 15 years down the line since IAPT was formed, we're still experiencing that problem. Um and it hasn't ever really kind of gained a strong identity, unfortunately. And I'm not really sure what that what that's about. Um, I mean, it's obviously not been advertised in the way that it could have been um, and promoted. Maybe it's just a bit long and cumbersome and, and people don't really understand what, you know, it means. So I'm yeah. not sure. What are your thoughts? Well, I think I, I agree with everything that you've said there, really. And I think just to kind of maybe hit the message home to the listener a bit and um, appreciate that maybe lots of our listeners are trainees, haven't um, maybe considered this from the sort of top down perspective, but and maybe develop a bit of an understanding of how this is impacting on day to day basis. So from the sort of public facing point of view um there is the potential that it's become a bit of a barrier to access so people don't know um when they need to access an iapp service or when they should be accessing an iapp service internally um there maybe has been this lack of consistency in terms of different iapp services will adopt different brand names in in an effort to try and uh, get more people interested in their services in different areas um and also uh there's maybe a thought that some iapp services don't know what what they're meant to be doing in terms of the client groups that they're meant to be reaching out for and the client groups they're meant to be treating um as part of their service with those in mind and, and thinking about this um, sort of brand refresh, you mentioned there that it, it sort of took you by surprise. What was your, your, your sort of first reaction when you heard that this was in the works? I think initially I was quite pleased actually. Um, hmm. I don't think it's been very successful. Um, and I think, you know, 15 years is quite a long time to, to try and get it um, into everyday vocabulary um, amongst the, the public and uh, and 
professionals and it hasn't happened. So something's needed to change, I think. Um, that being said, um, I, I quickly became very unexcited. Um, I don't think it's a, a kind of dramatic change. No. Um, and maybe that isn't what's needed. I'm not really sure. Um, but it doesn't appear to me at this stage to have been very well uh, publicized, promoted. It, it just seemed, it seems a bit safe. Mm. Um, so what we've heard as part of the webinar is that, you know, we're going to have a couple of options that we can vote on and choose. Um, neither of which are really very exciting. Um, mm. And not well, one of them isn't even a step away from the IAPT brand. Um, so, yeah, quite, quite confused, actually, after all of it. Yeah, um, I think it's worth acknowledging as well. So again, and and, and maybe some of this, uh, if there are any listeners out there who did go to uh, this particular webinar, so this was hosted by NHS Futures, um, there were essentially sort of three key principles or points um, that IAPT is really meant to deliver on in terms of delivering evidence-based therapies at, uh, at an appropriate dose. Um, yeah. And I think, I mean, that in itself is a topic that can be picked apart um, until the end of time in terms of whether that's actually happening or not. And I think yeah. um, it's going to take more than a name change to kind of really understand the workings behind that. Um, second sort of pillar of it is uh, an appropriately trained and supervised workforce, which is so all of you out there on the on the high intensity CBT course, this is the, the, the pillar that you're beginning to form part of now um and also routine outcome monitoring so again those of you out there who've recently joined an iapt service for the first time and might be questioning why you're having to do your phq and uh, phq 9 and gad 7 every single session this sort of fits into that sort of strand of work and and actually having uh attaching some numerical data um to what can often be quite a qualitative process yeah. you mentioned there that some of the changes that are being suggested aren't really too far away um, from what we have now particularly one one of the options there was it sort of keeps a tagline being part of the improving access to psychological therapies program for example mm. yeah um what would you like to see if if this was was something that i suppose was to have a huge impact and if it was something that that maybe solved most of, of the problems that we face in IAP services as a result of branding, what, what should it do differently and what would it look like? I think for me that they're kind of missing a trick by just focusing this all on what we're called. Hmm. Um, so you made a really good point, you know, the three key principles of IAPT. Um, I think more investment in those areas, making sure that actually you know, an IAP service is in itself IAPT compliant. Mm. Um, the one area they're, they're doing very well with, I think, is the um, well-trained workforce. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think IAP services are incredibly stringent in their recruitment. Um, the courses that are available are incredibly comprehensive the training is really really good but then actually we're, we're training people up to fit into a service model that isn't in place um, which can cause lots of frustrations and challenges in itself hmm. so i think as part of a, 
a brand refresh, um, really missing the trick of adhering closely to those values that they hold, um, the principles of, of IAPT. Um, and maybe if we, you know, if we're keeping the name, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Mm. If we're promoting it really well, we're making it in everybody's awareness. So it does become a household name and that actually it's consistent across the country. Um, we need all IAP services to be offering and performing at similar levels. We've got lots of discrepancy. So it can be a little bit of a postcode lottery as to your wait times. Um, you know, different IAP services will have different um, uh, kind of offerings. Not all IAP services will have exactly the same offerings. Some are really blessed with a, a very kind of varied workforce and others are not. Um, and I think that's that's the thing that I would like to see rebranded or, or refreshed. Got you. And so what I'm getting from what you said there was was two main things of sort of consistency and compliance and just to yeah. play devil's advocate for a minute as as you do have to sometimes being a podcast host or indeed a therapist um do those things really fit in with what we're doing though in terms of we treat the human condition and the human condition fluctuates it changes dependent on where we are and and different places and circumstances will will require different things so is it maybe too much of yeah. a big ask to, to have consistency and compliance in a service I think that's a really good point. Um, but, you know, just the phrase offering the right treatment at the prescribed dose. Mm. If you think about what IAPT is designed to do, it's there to treat these common mental health conditions um, using evidence based practice. Now, the evidence isn't changing from service to service. The evidence stays the same. But what can happen is that different services will have different entry requirements. They'll have different criteria for what step people are treated at. Um, they'll also accept clients who, who sit outside of steps um, for a, a variety of reasons. Hmm. But, but it happens. And as a result of that, you're not offering the prescribed dose. No. You can't. You're not in a position to do that. You haven't got a workforce, perhaps, who are trained to offer the prescribed dose. Um, and I think that's really what I mean when I'm talking about offering a consistent um, service. So, you know, if I live in London and I access an IAP service, I want to be treated the same way that I would be if I moved to Manchester mm. and I needed the same treatment. Medications don't change as we go across the country. I mean, they do. Um, again, sometimes it's postcode lotteries. But if I'm prescribed to Talapram for my mental health at 20 milligram or Fluxetine at 20 milligram in, in London, I'd get exactly the same in Manchester. Mm. So, so why is our therapeutic offering so different? Why does it fluctuate so wildly? Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, um, again, maybe to, to bring the message home to some of the listeners out there who, who might be going, well, how does this affect me? I think, um, particularly in terms of not offering the prescribed dose or, again, trying to treat someone who maybe doesn't fit within one of those steps on the model um, yeah. can be, you know, I use this this phrase maybe maybe a bit lightly, uh, or heavy-handedly depending on your opinion but um it can be a soul-destroying thing if you're treating someone uh with this evidence-based treatment that works for a multitude of conditions and you see that it's not even being a drop in the water for what this person is presenting you uh with in that moment 
it can actually be really difficult for you as a therapist in terms of reflecting yeah. on your own work and your feeling about how you're doing um, in that particular moment. And you're and I think the last thing people would want to do is engage in all that training and then end up potentially leave, leaving services because they feel as though they're not effective enough. Absolutely. And, you know, we're predominantly our podcast is, is for trainees, isn't it? Mm. And if you think about what we're asking people to then do when they qualify, it needs to marry up with what they've been trained to do. Um, it's, it's unfair, really, to ask people to step wildly outside of the IAPT training courses that they've been on to deliver something that's that's massively outside of IAPT um, kind of protocols. And services do this for a variety of reasons. You know, we've got wait lists, we've got KPIs. There are lots of reasons why we might all work in a different way and have different offerings, but it, it, it can be really problematic and it can be unfair. It can be unfair for people accessing the service and it can be unfair for the people trying to work in those services as well. Also to add to that, just to um, give my feelings about how this process of the rebrand is actually going, I think um, in a way we've been approached quite late. So just so everyone knows out there, um, there is currently a stakeholder survey that is live um, and we will link to it in the show notes. So that means, I mean, if you are um, an IAPT worker, if you are a trainee, if you are a service user, um, no matter what your connection to IAPT and or the IAPT brand, um, I think it's really important to actually put your views across um, as part of this process. I think my only concern is that this rebrand is scheduled to start taking hold in February 2023. Um, and we're obviously already in, in November 2022. And I suppose that leads me to ask the question, is this really a process that's actually genuinely a communicative and listening one? Yeah, I, I agree. I've, I do feel a little bit like that as well. I think it's it feels a little bit rushed. Um, and actually the, the opportunities that have been provided to have a say about the future of um, the, the IAPT brand, that there hasn't, there hasn't really been much of an opportunity. And I think that's a real shame. There's a lot of us and we've got some really good ideas. Um, and yeah, I, I, do, I do think they've maybe missed a trick there by not bringing this, bringing this out maybe in the summer, giving us a little bit more time to to think about it definitely um that being said and just to sort of present the counterbalance to that nhs futures have said that they have had several different steps on the engagement process so um ministers were involved nhs leaders um they say that iap services and the public have been consulted as well um yeah. I, I will be honest i haven't heard much about these things but that could just be gaps in in my knowledge um up until this point um obviously differing views and various views may may be out there in terms of um the use of ministers um sort of engagement in the process as well just in terms of looking towards the future then shell um yeah. so acknowledging that as we mentioned earlier this scheduled to take hold in 2023 IAPT will be turning 15 which is an important um sort of milestone uh, for the initiative and and the brand the materials also state that this marks 
um, a bit of a bigger milestone in, in that this is a start of a longer journey uh, towards reshaping um, IAPT services and also understanding the IAPT brand um, a bit more. Yes. Yeah. What, what do you think the future holds in relation to the IAPT sphere and, and, and the sort of stepped care model? Oh, that's a big question. Um, I, I mean, ultimately, I, I know I've sounded quite negative on this, actually, but I think ultimately this is this is a good step um, mm. that has been taken because we are all aware that having access to a mental health service, um, we do need to be promoting that in a in a better way um, so that it is accessible to more people. Um, so ultimately, this can only be a good thing. Mm. Um, in terms of the future of, you know, IAPT and where I see it going, my my big um, dream for IAPT would be to develop the consistency I was talking about earlier. Mm. Um, I would really like us to kind of stop, regroup, think about why IAPT was created in the first instance, look at what's working well, um, and then also spend some time looking at what maybe we need to change. Um, and, uh, you know, other than just its name, yeah. um, the way that services are being delivered, the way that services are being commissioned to deliver as well, I think needs to change. Um, I would like there to be some focus going forwards as well on, on some of the more um, um, kind of third wave therapies within IAPT. Um, I know that research is happening to, to kind of um, show their efficacy rates and as an evidence-based treatment option, um, I would love to see that starting to be integrated into IAP services and their provision um, sooner rather than later, because I think they could be of a lot of benefit to a lot of people who may not fit into um, more traditional um, cognitive behavioural therapy uh, styles or who may have tried it already and, and had unsuccessful episodes of treatment. So, um I think there's loads of room for growth. Mm. I would love there to be more opportunity for the people who work in IAP to have a say about this. Um, what's been really nice over the past three years since COVID, um, webinars have really taken off and it has given um, a lot more people, a lot more opportunity to have a bit of a voice. Sometimes that's, you know, via a chat box on the side of a, a, a Teams meeting, mm. but it's there. Um, and we've got some really, really talented people working in IAPT. You know, we've got some amazing managers. We've got amazing clinicians, support staff um, and, and, and the wider services as well who recognize where the gaps might be. Mm. So let's listen to them and, and make positive changes so that we do start meeting more of the mental health needs of more of the population definitely and actually to further that point i would be really keen for any rebranding exercise to reach out to marginalized people um recognize the diversity that's out there and the difficulty that certain marginalized groups have in terms of gaining access to mental health care because that's still a thing and that's that's still out there um and actually encourage more diversity in terms of both 
the staff and service users that we're welcoming through the door at our services. And I completely agree with you. And to be honest, I'd probably also mention that I think greater systemic change is needed. These, I, I, I think the IAPT model and the IAPT initiative has done some really good things and it, yeah. it doesn't exist in a bell jar. Um, the reason I think sometimes it is what it is, is because it's forced to almost become a particular shape of puzzle piece to fit in with the things around it. And I think um, systems around it also need to change to make sure yeah. uh, that it continues to fill to fulfil a, a purpose. And I think it's also worth mentioning, I think, and, and to maybe put it in a bit of a crass way, that you can slap a different label on, on the tin but whatever's inside the tin is still inside the tin and sometimes it's the yeah. ingredients that need to be looked at cool i like that yeah thank you yeah we i mean we we, we like a good metaphor love a metaphor love a metaphor of course. <laughs> um should we take a quick break yeah. fantastic let's do that and we will see you on the other side Welcome back to this episode of Two Lost Souls. Um, so in the episode today, we're obviously discussing a lot about the IAPT brand refresh um, or the rebrand. It can't be ignored that it's a very difficult time out there, um, not only for individuals. We hear a lot about the cost of living crisis, um, but also with the NHS and to, to all sorts of organisations that do the sort of work that we do. I suppose a, a prevailing question um, that, that we also wanted to discuss was what are your thoughts on the timing of this? Yeah, now it, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because as you mentioned, we're, we're coming up to the 15th hmm. anniversary of IAPT. So I, I guess it feels kind of poignant in that respect to to do some reflecting see and see what needs changing. But unfortunately, we're just off the back of, you know, a kind of worldwide mm. pandemic. We are living in incredibly uncertain times um, and, and people need a little bit of stability, don't they, at this point? Um, and there's no money. There's no money anywhere. Um, people haven't got money to, you know, kind of feed themselves. Um, the NHS hasn't got money to pay nurses what they mm. deserve, etc. So we're... You know, we've got other things that maybe are going to take priority for the, the funding that is available. Um, there's been a huge debate, hasn't there, about, you know, the NHS being a 24-7 mm. service. Again, I can see that's reared its head this week. Um, and I don't think anybody disagrees that that is, you know, a really important thing. We've got really long waiting lists across all services, you know, mental health, physical health, everywhere is really struggling. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wondering a little bit about the need to spend what could run into, you know, millions. Um, and that sounds like a really, really high figure, but nothing that is done in the NHS mm. ever comes cheap. Um, and there are lots of IAP services um, and lots of external services that support IAP that would need to consider the financial implications of 
a brand refresh, you know, having to change um, all of their merchandise, their correspondence, um, their logos, uh, that stuff doesn't come cheap. Um, and, no. I, and I'm wondering if that's been considered um, as, as part of, 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 you know, of this refresh. Definitely. And I, I, I think there are some people out there, though, who would sort of say that, yes, it does obviously involve some costly exercises however it is a sort of speculate to accumulate sort of thing in terms of actually providing benefits in the long run and I'm wondering what the response is or what the response could be to people who also say then well if we're not going to do it now then when would we do it yeah I I mean it, it, it wouldn't be kind of never 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 do it um, but perhaps, you know, investing a little bit of that money on a bit of advertising um, of services. I remember, so the, the service I work with, we, we did something to try and improve access a few years ago. Um, and that involved us sending a text message via um, GP surgeries to everybody who was registered with the GP that fell within our catchment, um, just to remind them that we're here. Um, and that was really costly that cost thousands just to do that um so i i am curious as to how much a full iapt rebrand is going to cost um and whether we can justify doing the full rebrand at this stage yeah or would it be better to scale it back slightly acknowledge that it still needs doing mm. um but maybe stagger it over you know a few years um and and uh, yeah and think about how, how much it's costing and where that money's coming from of course got you um i mean you spoke there about this strategy that's been used um where we work in terms of using gp surgeries as a vehicle to market the service what else sort of strikes you as a bit more of a sort of low-hanging fruit so to speak option that maybe should be considered before opting for another rebrand I think internally, we could be doing a lot more to help our colleagues promote IAPT mm. to the general public. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think that would cost as much money. So things like internal comms, um, IAPT services, attending uh, other team meetings, you know, to, to really just raise, raise awareness um, within the NHS and, and the kind of wider NHS uh, services and structures, because then, you know, it's it's almost like a word of mouth approach at that point, and that's quite cheap. Um, so if you've got your midwives, your health visitors, your diabetic nurses, your asthma nurses, um, long COVID clinics, GPs, and all of the kind of other um, community services that are available, knowing exactly what IAP does, how they can access it, how they can support people to access it. That in itself would be really, really useful. Um, and a, a kind of big campaign around that, I think, would be a lot more cost effective um, than, you know, asking all teams to, to have the same name um, at a cost of God knows how much. Got you. Do you think there are any other sort of implications and, and ramifications for staff as a result of this rebrand as well? Yeah, definitely. I think um, actually for the IAP teams that are within the NHS um, already, um, 
perhaps not so much, but we have a lot of, um, you know, kind of third sector services who are commissioned to provide IAPT um, treatments. Um, and, and their names, um, their identities uh, are probably a lot more personal to them than, you know, than ours might be. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, the Healthy Mind type brands um, and the consortium type brands um, that, that sit amongst us. And, you know, they've chosen their their names. I'm not saying that NHSI app services haven't done that, mm. um, but the vast majority of us are called, you know, our location and a, and a talking therapy service, et cetera. So I, I don't think we're, we're kind of invested in it in the same way, but um, for private and, and third sector services, I, I can see them having um, a bit of a loss of identity, actually, mm. lumping us all in together. Um, and I, and I do kind of worry about how that might land um, and impact the people who work for those services, who might be really proud of the, you know, the service name that they've already got because it, it means something personally to them. Yeah, of course. And knowing, um, I mean, you mentioned sort of third sector provided services as well. So knowing that I, uh, in certain cases that can be quite a bit of tension actually between the provider yeah. really wanting to stamp their mark on the service and let everyone know that it's their brand that's providing this service on behalf Absolutely. of the NHS um, whilst also maintaining brand consistency across the country for the NHS as well um, so I can really resonate with that with that being a bit of a conflict and I suppose logistically as well so you, you spoke about um, sort of things like the healthy minds branding as well um, one yeah. thing that I don't think um, was really answered as part of the webinar that we attended was actually how much consultation had been sought from these brands in terms of why they had chosen these names and what were yeah. the function of these names and what was useful about having that particular title on the service. What did it attract, for example, that just general talking therapies or IAPT didn't? Um, and I think it would be really good to actually hear some insight and some data into um, what that would have actually looked like. Um, and I suppose logistically as well, knowing that there are some places um, in the country where there can be a bit of an overlap in terms of having yeah. two IAP services, for an example, in, in one particular locality and needing to differentiate between the two so people know which door that they really should be walking into when they need help. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, often they'll just pop on a east or south or um, which is great. Um, but, but is it like, I, I don't live in the area that I work um, and I don't know what north of the borough is um, unless I go and study a map. Mm. Um, and we're asking everybody to kind of just identify with that immediately and recognise um, that they fall under this one or the other one. Um, and that's that's quite a big ask, isn't it? And the other thing is, is that because this hasn't been very widely publicised, um, at least not to my knowledge, um, so I could be wrong, please prove me wrong, um, but there may be a lot of services that have recently had a rebrand uh, or a brand refresh of their own mm. um, and have invested money, uh, you know, time, um, have gone through consultation periods, have spent a lot of time really investing in their, in their service, um, only to then discover you know, maybe six, 12 months down the line, that that work will all need to be undone and changed again. And then we're, aren't we then at risk of, you know, alienating and losing people, um, uh, which really defeats the object of, 
trying to improve access. Of course. I think. Ooh, um, you, I mean, you said two really important words there, improving access. So not only are those important um, pillars of what they're trying to achieve with this, but let's let's remember that it's also in the original name for this scheme of work as well. Um, and speaking yeah. of, and sort of twinning that with something that, that I spoke about earlier in terms of understanding the function of why different names were chosen and taking a, uh, almost a bit of a data-led approach on things sometimes. Um, I noticed, Shell, that you did your own little piece of research as well um, on Twitter and had a little yeah. bit of a vote. What, what, what was the question that you asked and what are the results that have, have come out of this? So the question was very simple. I just wondered how many people had um, I actually knew what IAPT was without Googling. Um, so did they know what IAPT is, what it stands for? Um, and of the people that voted, 53.8% uh, of them did know. I suppose, um, I mean, this isn't very scientific at all because um, obviously my Twitter, I will have a community around me um, of perhaps therapists, people who work in the NHS and, uh, you know, people who work in IAPT. So I would expect them to know what IAPT is yeah. really. Um, but 46% of the people who answered didn't know what it was. And that, I think that's, it's quite close, isn't it? You know, I think you likened it to Brexit. It's yeah. pretty close. <laughs> um, and, and that is quite sad, isn't it? 15 years later, um, half, almost half of the people uh, asked, didn't know, didn't know what IAPT meant. Um, we had a couple of people who, uh, who had a stab at kind of working it out and they okay. weren't far off actually. Um, but actually, you know, it, it hadn't worked, has it? Um, and and that obviously that's why they're they're initiating this brand refresh at this stage, which is which is good. But um, yeah, bit of a shame. Okay. But very much closer than I thought. I thought a lot more people would know what it was. To be honest, got you. And and also again in the spirit of bringing this back to the sort of end listener and and bearing in mind that a lot of you listening out there might be trainees. Taking that piece of information into account, so 46% of people not knowing um, what IAPT is or what it stands for. Um, what, what do trainees working with people at the moment need to bear in mind as they're practicing or, or what can they take from that to almost influence their practice immediately? Uh, yeah, that again is a really good question. Um, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I still experience, um, so I, I definitely experienced it as a trainee, but even as a qualified um, and doing the role that I do now, what really confuses people is what they're being offered in terms of a mental health treatment. Yeah. Um, we will often fall into being a bit jargonistic um, and, you know, talking about step two, step three, Step four, secondary care, primary care. Um, we really need to simplify it. And I'm not saying now we need to dumb it down. Absolutely not. But we need to learn, I think, how we communicate mm. um, the kind of mental health support that a, a client is going to be accessing. How do we tell them what that looks like and where it sits within the mental health services? Right. Um, because the level of confusion that comes from that um, I actually don't think they care all that much um, about, you know, whether we're called IAPT or, um, you know, talking therapies. I, I really don't think that's that's the issue. Right. 
what I what I've experienced is that clients really want to understand where am I sitting in this um, in this system? Mm-hmm. What am I going to be offered? And what if this isn't the right place for me? Where am I going to go next? Right. Um, and we and that is it. That's as, it's as simple as that. So you know, I think maybe the the, the IAPT branding is much more about us as professionals than than it is going to be impactful for clients. Um, I don't know that, but I kind of, I suspect that to be the case. I think actually people would rather just have a clearer pathway um, so they can see what happens. We've got prime, we've got enhanced primary care mental health services. We've got IAP services. We've got secondary care. Secondary care is called all sorts of things. You know, mm. you've got your mental health liaison teams. You've got your home treatment teams. It's really confusing and it's confusing for me on the inside. So God knows how clients feel. Um trying to navigate their way through these systems 100 percent. and i think my takeaway from what you said there personally is that sometimes it doesn't matter what something is called as long as you know what it's going to do absolutely yeah got you yeah it's, it's that no that it's it's like the know your why video mm. um don't know if you've ever seen that but it's that yeah if you know kind of why you're being offered something you'll probably embrace it um and go in with a little bit of passion if we're just telling you that, you know, you're going to have this and it's, this is what you're being offered, but you don't know why you're being offered it. You don't know what the rationale behind that decision is. Mm. Um, maybe you're less likely to engage. Maybe you're less likely to embrace it and enter it with passion. So I don't know, maybe, maybe the way that we introduce things and explain things needs to improve rather than us focusing on what we're called. Got you. Speaking of entering things with passion, um, if you would like to give your thoughts on this IAPT rebrand or, or the brand refresh, um, the survey uh, that's open to all stakeholders is open until the 16th of December. Um, we will put a link to it in the show notes as well. Um, please, please, please do input your views um, into the survey. Um, I think it really um, obviously has an impact on how you work as therapists, even if you're not a therapist and you're someone who um, knows of IAPT or doesn't know of IAPT. Um, I think it's really important that, that you make sure that your views are heard as well. Um, and speaking of hearing your views, um, if there's anything that you would like us to cover on Two Lost Souls, give us a shout at TLS underscore pod on Twitter. Uh, or alternatively, uh, drop us a line at two lost souls podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and sometimes we root through both of those channels. We reach into our mailbag and we have this little segment that we like to call Socratic Questions. So we're doing something slightly different for not only today's episode as a whole, but also for today's Socratic questions segment. Um, And the inspiration for what we're going to be discussing um, or or the question that we actually have for you comes from at Farheen56, Farheen Patel uh, on Twitter. Uh, who said, I need some CBT therapist friends. Is there anyone out there trying to get through these case reports? And I need someone who can understand my pain. And so we had a few a few questions in response to that. Yeah, we did. 
um namely we put our heads together and we had a bit of a think about this and we we were just wondering if anyone would be interested in starting a little bit of a, a cbt therapist community um we know that there might be a, as usual quite a variety of views out there on this there are certain people who sort of shut the laptop at five and don't want to think about cbt until they um, are brewing their next cup of coffee the next morning however there are some people that would like a bit of a support network around them um, and would like an opportunity to meet like-minded folk who are practicing in in very similar approaches um so is that something you would be interested in and if so where would you like to see it would you like it on facebook reddit discord what platforms appeal to you and also more importantly what would you want it to do what would you be looking for from that community yeah i um i know that you know, very often when you when you're in a cohort at university, you'll create your own little um, support groups. We certainly did that. I know we spoke about that at the beginning, like the WhatsApp type um, support groups. But yeah, um, a, a kind of wider um, CBT trainee community. Um, I think that might be a really lovely thing, actually. The idea of you know um, sharing tips and uh, experiences from different uh, universities and training experiences and and then placement experiences as well um I, th I think that could be a really lovely a lovely resource definitely and kind of linking that in with what we've been discussing throughout this entire episode sometimes it's really fascinating to discuss how things are slightly different across the country and the services yeah. that you have and there's no end to the amount of learning you can get um, by discussing things, even though, you know, someone's working in a very similar service in terms of name, they can be doing some radically different things to you. And there's always stuff that we can take and maybe try and mold into our own practice. So it's a really useful tool for reflection as well. So oh, yeah. we have, have put those questions out there to you. Please let us know. Um, either on Twitter at TLS underscore pod or uh, as I mentioned earlier via email, um, our email address is twolostsoulspodcast at gmail.com. Um, two spelt out, by the way. So it's T-W-O lost souls podcast at gmail.com. So all that's left to say is, uh, firstly, if you've taken anything away from this episode of Two Lost Souls, please hit that subscribe button on your podcatcher of choice. Um, and if you know anyone who'd benefit from any of this content, please recommend us to your friends. Uh, it really does help a huge amount to us and it, and it means uh, a big amount to us as well. Um, alternatively, if you're feeling generous, please uh, please feel free to donate to our Kofi at kofi.com slash TLS underscore pod. Finally, if there's anything you'd like to see us discuss or any questions you have, uh, give us a follow and drop us a line at TLS underscore pod on Twitter or at two lost souls podcast at gmail.com just to round off today's episode uh, I'd like to say a big thank you to Shell. Thank you Ravi. Uh, a big thank you to all of you out there for listening uh, and also let you know that researchers have been examining the effectiveness of CBT treatment for unpleasantness. It won't make it into nice. <laughs> 
I really like that joke. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really glad we've we've found we've found one punchline that works. Yeah, um, I love it. Fantastic. Hopefully that's the that's the first of many that will get a laugh, but we'll find out. <laughs> Thank you all very much for listening, and we'll see you next time on Two Lost Souls. Two Lost Souls was presented by Ravi Amrath and Michelle Sudbury. To get in touch, contact TLS underscore pod on Twitter or email Two Lost Souls Podcast at gmail.com. 